following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Great. Good to see all of you. I hope you all had a very merry Christmas, and we've still got up the decorations because Christmas is more than a season, or more than a day, it's a season, so we're excited, but um, it's been a busy time, right? Christmas was a busy time, trying to get everything ready for all the people, all the family, all of the stuff going on, and so we move out into this time now, and we're moving out of a busy time of Christmas, and we're thinking about the new year. It's December 30th, tomorrow's New Year's Eve, and so We've got kind of that new year, new you kind of thing going on, what we're thinking about. And we don't want to go into the new year, but we don't want to bring old mindsets. We don't want to bring old habits. We want to establish new things. We want to experience God this year. We want to get some of our goals ready this year. We want to see some things happen in 2019. Am I by myself up here? Everybody, people have resolutions. They have things they want to do this coming year. Yes? All right, yes, uh, we, we, want, we have things we want to do this coming year, and, and yet so often we make the resolutions, we make the things we want to do, but it doesn't happen, just like the video was talking. I'm not, not going to eat uh, Funyuns or a candy bars in 2019, I'm going to make sure I lose some weight, make sure I eat healthy and feel good, and that's actually one of the best or one of the most popular resolutions, but so often it doesn't happen. And so we're going to move into a series that I've been really excited about. I know I say that about every series, but this one is really true. I've really been looking forward to this series because it's called Rhythm or Blues. And the idea is that if we don't live in rhythm, then we'll, we'll experience the blues. We'll experience sadness. And we're going to get super practical in this series, but today is the foundation, and today is the syllabus, and so you've got to come back next week. Class actually begins next week, and so turn to your neighbor and ask them, are you going to come back next week? And, and if they say no, bop them over the head with the program you received and cast them out in the name of Jesus. You've got to come back next week, because today is the foundation, today is the syllabus, and so... We are going to talk about it more. We are really going to dive into it more next week. But today I'm going to give you, lay a foundation for that. All right, I've beaten a dead horse now. So before I do that, though, I want to, before we jump into the passage and get to work, I want to mention one thing. We have a men's breakfast coming up January 19th. I know we had a ton of announcements already, but this one I want to announce because I'm really excited again that Bill Corson is coming to speak. He's the owner of Outdoor Adventures. They do river rafting, hiking, different things like that. Uh, Bill used to be a police officer for over 25 years. He was in Long Beach, California when the LA riots were happening. And he's just a manly man. And he's, he's a dad he, of boys. He has, he's a grandfather of boys. And he has a passion to see men live in biblical manhood and to really just mentor men. And so 
I'd love to hear you come speak. He's going to speak on authentic manhood and what that is. And we're going to start actually something on that called authentic manhood. And so that's going to be really, really exciting. And so please, all you guys come to that. There'll be some eggs and pancakes, maybe some bacon too. If I can get that together, we can rustle up some pigs. And Anyways, um, but so let's jump into the text. Okay, enough of me. Let me pray. God, we thank you for this, this message. We thank you for this new year that brings new opportunities. But God, it's going to be the same old year if we go into it with the same mindset and the same habits that we've always had. God, break open some new mindsets. Break open some new habits in our life that we can see your work because we don't serve a God who's called us just to be be failures. You've called us to, be, to lack victory. You said that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so we believe, God, that you want to do a new thing in our life. And we believe that, and we want to take steps of faith to actually receive that in our life. So God, thank you for your work. Thank you that you are real. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are with us, and help us to walk into that. In your precious name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That's what we want these days. You know, I'm getting older now. I just turned 40 this weekend. No applause. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as I get older, I want more and more that peace. And, and I wanted achievement. I wanted all these things. But as I get older, I want peace. We want peace. We want rest in our lives. And I think that's what we want. But, but Jesus was speaking to people in those days that didn't have that. He was speaking to people that had, were, were overly religious, that had religion kind of shoved down their throat. The Pharisees were, were people of those days that wanted you to follow the law. And there were 613 laws to follow. That's 365 of those 613 laws were no commandments. And so they said there was one no commandment for every day. And so you can imagine there's a no commandment every day. Every day you're trying to measure up to something. Every day you're trying to do things and, and, and somebody is telling you no. No, you can't do that. No, you, don't, you can't do that. And the Bible says that we're not able to reach the law. The law was really just to expose our sin. But we can't be able to live up to the law. But in those days, the religious people also had political power. So they could enforce the law if you weren't following it. So how would you like it if I was able to come around to your house and look at you and bring the police in if you weren't following Jesus? That's what it was like, that if you were caught doing something, that you, you could actually go to jail. You could actually get punished because of this stuff in, in, in a physical way. They, they were able to, to have that. And so because of this, people always were trying to live up to the law. But they couldn't. They couldn't do that. And it was, they were overly religious, and they were burned out, and they were tired because of this. And I think some ways we can feel like that. We can feel overwhelmed. We can feel tired. We can feel burned out, especially coming out of this busy Christmas season. There were all these things that we wanted to do, and we were tired. And, and maybe even sometimes church can feel like that. Church can feel like that religion being shoved down your throat. And it reminds me of a story. There was a woman 
who, she kind of had fast living, hard living. She'd go clubbing, she'd go out and dance, and she slept around and drank and did some drugs and kind of reached rock bottom in her life. And she decided to go to church one day because she thought she needed something to be able to, to help her in the midst of this process. And so she went to church, thought she'd check it out one time, and she walked in in her best, and she walked in her club in clothes because that was what was formal to her. And she went to church, and she listened to the, the worship. She listened to the talk, and it, it all seemed nice. And then the pastor was on, by the door. On, on, oh, as people were on their way out, he could greet them. And he saw this young lady, and he was thankful that she came, but what she was wearing was kind of skimpy and didn't, wasn't really appropriate for church. And so he said, young lady, thanks for coming, but, but please pray about what you're going to wear when you come to church, if you come to church again. And so she kind of, that was kind of weird, but she left, and she liked it, so she came back the next week, and when she came back, she was wearing the same thing, because that was one of the few outfits that she had, and so she came in and went in, sat through the service again, enjoyed the service, and walked out, and this time the pastor was by the door again, and this time the pastor was a little more frustrated, but still thankful that she showed up, and so as she was walking out the door, he greeted her, and he said, young lady, thanks for coming again, so proud of you for coming again, thanks, but please pray about what you're wearing to church. So again, next week, uh, she went off, did her thing, came back to church the next week, and was there and was wearing the same outfit again and went, sat through the service and really was more just looking forward to this time to talking to the pastor because she had prayed and God had told her something. So she went up to the pastor as he was greeting people on their way out and this time the pastor was really frustrated. The gloves were off and he said, young lady, I thought I told you to pray about what you're going to wear to church. And she said, well, I did. And he said, you did. He said, well, what did God say? God said he didn't know what I should wear because he's never been here. Ha, ha, ha. All right. <laughs> but um, bum, bum. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but that's not the type of church we want to be. We don't want to be a type of church where God is devoid, where his presence and his power is not in our church. We want to be a church that God, that people come to and they experience God in a new, fresh, and relevant way. We want to be a church where people connect and where people find purpose, find God's purpose in their life. In the, the first half of the 19th century, of the 18th, sorry, the 20th century, got to get my centuries right, first half of the 20th century, 80% of Americans went to church. In the second half of the 20th century, 40% of Americans went to church. It's projected that the first, in the first half of the 21st century, uh, by the end of that, in 2050, 11% of Americans will go to church. That means that my grandkids will go to school where 9 out of 10 of the kids don't go to church. We are not doing church right because if church is just an event that you come to on Sunday morning and you experience the program that the, the pastoral staff puts on, or maybe you even go to group and you experience group for an hour and a half and you have some fun and you learn a little bit, and then you go off and you, church has nothing to do with your regular life, then 
that's not what people want. People want to connect. They want God's purpose in their life. They want to experience something greater. And we've got to do church in a way, we've got to be the church in a way that helps people connect and build purpose. And so we want to be on a journey that we want to do that. We want to find that. But religion doesn't just have to be church. Religion can be a lot of different things. Sports can be a religion. I saw a guy one day, and uh, he said, uh, on the back it said that Sundays are sacred. And I was following out, out, out of the locker room, and then he turned around, and it said NFL on the front. And so, you know, football can be your religion. Football is great. Football is my favorite sport, by the way. I love football. But football is great, but it's not an ultimate thing, Right? Football is great, but it can't, football can't be there for me if, if a loved one of mine dies, and it can't console me. Outdoors, same thing. Here in the Northwest, we love the outdoors, but outdoors can't be your religion. You, we love to go outside. I love to go hiking. I love to go camping. But, but if, if my highs and my lows are, are based on weather, I can do that in my life, whether I can go camping, whether I can go hiking, then religion might be, or outdoors might be my religion. Money is a lot of people's religion. And so if, if their bank account is, is doing well, then, then they're excited. If their bank account is low, then they're low. For other people, their work is their religion. So whatever's going on at the office is, is how they're, they're going to feel. So if things are going well at the office, then they're going, things are going well with them. If things are going bad at the office, then things are going bad with them. On and on and on. There's a lot of different things that can be our religion, but ultimately, your religion is whatever you ascribe sub- supreme importance to. Whatever is the most important thing in your life, whatever is of ultimate importance is your religion. That's what, what it is. And, but the thing about religion is that religion can't fulfill you. Religion ultimately is an external standard that we're trying to rate raise up to, that we're trying to live up to, but it's an external standard that will never fulfill us. Either it's something that's so high, that the measurement of it is so high that we'll never be able to live up to it, or it's an escape from reality into a temporary pleasure that doesn't really have anything to do with your regular everyday life. But we want to wake up in our regular everyday life and know that God has something for us. Know that there is something better planned for us. Know that God has a purpose and a a plan for our lives. We want to wake up excited every morning. And so Jesus, into the situation, Jesus says um, in the message version of Matthew 11, 28 to 30, says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This comes from the unforced rhythms of grace. comes from the, the part where it's talking about the yoke of Jesus. The yoke meant the, the teaching. It was the everyday teaching. A yoke was, hey, I'm going to take the teaching of this rabbi, this teacher, on me, and I'm going to follow that day in and day out. And and so, because people were living forced rhythms. They were living forced teaching. And so so it was being shoved down on them. That was the religion that people were experiencing. 
Hey, do this. Live up to this. Be this way. Become this person. That was, it was forced on them. And so they were getting burnt out. They were getting tired. And when we experience life like that, that's how we live. But we want to live in the unforced rhythms of grace. In other words, it's unforced. It's I'm living out of who I am. And the rhythms, the regular things that I'm doing, daily things, weekly things, there's a regular pattern to my life. And they're of grace, unforced rhythms of grace. In other words, I'm living out of who I am in the regular things that I'm doing. And I'm experiencing the unmerited favor, the blessing of God in my life. That's an unforced rhythm of grace. Does that sound good? That's what we want to live. We want to live in the unforced rhythms of grace. We need to live in rhythm with our life because there's an underlying order to life. There's an underlying order to creation. When everything began, God said it happened, and then God called it good, and that was the the rhythm of, of creation, that God said it happened, and it was good. And it was six times that there was this underlying order to life. Brandon's going to come up and help me in, in just a moment with an illustration. But, but creation has an underlying order. We know this. We see the tides come in and the tides go out. We see the sun rise and the sun set. We see bees go to flowers, and they pollinate the flowers, and they get nutrients from the flowers. There's an underlying order to creation. And there's also an underlying order to creativity. We want to know, like, we, we see people play the guitar. We see Brandon play the guitar, and he improvises, and he does a tasty lick on the guitar, guitar riff, right? And that's really, really cool. And we think, man, that person is creative. But there is an underlying order, an underlying structure to that creativity. Brandon, play, play a scale for us. Awesome. So there is an underlying order to the, the guitar riff. There's an underlying order to this. And there's a structure. And based on that structure, then, the guitar player can do and go up and down the neck of the guitar and play a lot of different things. Play something else. Keep going. Let's, let's say more. Very good. Let's give it up for Brandon. All right. So we see that there is an underlying order to things. And there is an underlying order to your life. And either you can use that and that can benefit you, or you can keep crashing up against it and it won't benefit you because you're not utilizing the underlying order, the underlying rhythm to your life. That's why it's rhythm or blues. If you don't live in the rhythm, you're going to experience the blues like he was talking about. Jesus lived in rhythm. And we might say, oh, well, Jesus is God. Well, Jesus was also fully human. And so Jesus faced all the temptations, all the struggles that you and I face. In fact, Jesus even had it harder than we did because Jesus lived in a time where there were Pharisees and there were people that were giving religion a bad name. And people didn't want, of course, we never do that today, right? We never give religion a bad name today. But, but he was doing that and, and saying, 
you know, the, there was people getting a, giving religion a bad time, bad name. And so he was really difficult. And it was also, they had the force of the, of the government behind them. And so they were able to, to stick it to those people that didn't follow, stick it to those sinners, and cast them out. And then there was the Roman government that were, was oppressing people and forcing taxes on people. And then Jesus was, was born and raised in a, in a poor environment in the first century, which was already a hard life. So Jesus had it tough. But Jesus didn't let his external situation determine his life. Jesus was one that was constantly living out of who he was, and he wouldn't let anything change that. Jesus was constantly telling people, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. And, and so Jesus was living out of who he was. Jesus was also living in his purpose. He said things like, I have come to seek and to save the lost. I have come to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the, to, for the blind, to set the oppressed free. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. You see, Jesus knew who he was and what he was for, and he constantly lived out of that. So he lived in rhythm. He lived, you might say, in alignment. He lived in alignment with who he was and what he was, was on earth for. And so because of that, um, he was able to live in alignment. Have you ever tried to drive a car that's out of alignment? You try to go straight, but it keeps pulling you to the left. I, one of my first cars was like that. I had to like actually drive a little bit turned, because if I didn't drive turned, then the car would go off to the left. And so that's how our lives can be when we don't live in rhythm. You're trying to do all these things that you want to do. You're trying to go straight. You're trying to lose weight. You're trying to do, do work out. You're trying to do whatever your resolution is. But your life keeps pulling you away from that because your life is perfectly designed to give you the results that you are experiencing. If you don't use the rhythms for your advantage, then the rhythms will use you and it will turn you away from what you want to do. So we've got to be able to live in rhythm. I hope you guys are getting this. There, there's some ways that we think that there's like the external minds, external situations we think that are stopping us from living in rhythm. But really what's stopping us are mindsets that we have. And one of the first mindsets that stops us from living in rhythm is, is our fear and our insecurity. Uh, we, we live with fear and insecurity, and so we, we live in riskless living. We don't want to take any risks. Because we're afraid of losing a job, we're afraid of losing relationship, and so we do whatever is, is most comfortable and what's ever going to be the most uh, just good for our life, which is not really a word but, or good grammar, but maybe that's one of the things that should be on there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but our fear and insecurity stop us. And then so we find most of our joy and most of our purpose out in things that really have nothing to do with our regular life. For others of us, it's, it's our instant gratification. Our instant gratification. So we, we, we want what's now. And so we, we build up a credit card debt and we're slaves to debt. And so we can't live how God has wanted us to live. And so we're, we're, we're slaves and we're not free to live what God might be calling us to do. For others of us, we have a blame and a victim mindset. And so we're blaming others for, for what's going on. But 
it provides temporary relief, but what it doesn't do is it, is it doesn't really set us free because we're chained to the very thing that we're blaming others for because we're not dealing with the problem in our lives. For others of us, it's hopelessness. We've given up and we've grown stagnant in our life. We don't believe there's hope because of what we, whatever has transpired in our life has caused us to lose hope. For others of us, it's, um, we just simply lack rhythm in our life. Because we're so busy in our cell phone society, we are so connected and we want to be connected for relationship, but oftentimes what that means is we're more connected with demands on our life. And so we're not living for what God has called us to. And we're not living in how God has called us to live. And so we've got to start living in rhythm. So starting to live in rhythm means starting to know who you are and living in your purpose. There, there's some different things that stop us, too. Um, I'm thinking of the, of the Kung Fu Panda, where there's by the peach tree of heavenly wisdom. And I love that part of the movie because Shifu is trying to control everything. He's trying to make everything happen. happen. But Uwe says, um, you know, he takes a seed and, and Shifu says, hey, I'm going to cut the seed and I can control where the seed is going to be planted. But Uwe says, no matter what you do, that seed is going to grow up to be a peach tree. Whatever you do, it's going to be a peach tree. And I think so often we're comparing ourselves to other people and saying, I want to be like that person. But God has made you, you. And so you are going to be a peach tree no matter what you do. And so you've got to be able to learn, who am I? Who has God created me to be? Stop trying to be like that other person and start growing in who God's created you to be. And then you'll be able to live like God wants you to live. Other times, we try to think about the situation. Maybe the situation is stopping us. I love the analogy of a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer is, it records the temperature of the room. And that's how some people are. They just record the temperature of the room. So whatever the room is like is how they're going to be. And they're going to, if everybody is is doing it, then they're going to do it too because they want to fit in. But other people are like a thermostat. They do record the temperature of the room because it's important to be socially aware, to know about your surroundings, but they are set to a certain point and they're going to try to change the temperature of the room to meet the point that they're set. There's people that we've got to say, yes, I I know I can read the room around me. I'm socially aware. But at the same time, I know who God has called me to be, and I know my purpose, and I'm going to live in that. We've got to be more like a thermostat. But what it does is it takes time to be like that. It takes time to continue to grow into who God has called you to be. And so there's something called the compounding effect. And I learned about this from a guy who um, sell, actually sells insurance, but he manages like 50 or 100 other guys. And so he's reached a level of success. But what he says is, I'm not smarter than other people. I'm not better looking. I'm not bigger. and I'm not a, a forceful personality, he says. But the one thing that sets me apart from other people is that I can do the same thing over and over and over. And he does, and he knows that if you make five good calls with with the people that he oversees, he knows if they make, he teaches them, if you make five good calls per day, then you're going to be able to make it here. And a five good calls means that he's 
gotten to, they've gotten to know people, they've gotten to build rapport with people, they've been able to learn about what their needs are, and they've been able to say how their, their product meets their needs. And so he said, if you can make five good calls a day like that, you'll be good. He said, the problem is most people don't have the discipline, most people don't have the character to be able to do that. It sounds simple, but often what's simple is not easy, right? So if we have a compounding effect in our life, if we can do the same thing over and over and over, and these are habits or rhythms that we can do that can continue to help us, if we can do that over and over and over, then we'll begin to see compounding effect in our life. There, you see this in finances. Dave Ramsey has this quote or this scenario where he says that if a, a, a person uh, starts putting $2,000 a year in their, in for retirement when they're, when they're young, up to the age of 20, I think it's like 10 to 20 or something, or even 0 to 20, but he says if they do that and they stop and don't put any money for retirement, and then somebody at age 40, like me, puts puts money, $2,000 a year for the next 40 years, that person who did it for, say, 20 years is going to have far more than that person who started at 40 putting money in for retirement because of the compounding effect. There is a sense that when you do little things over and over and over again, that those have a powerful effect because most people overestimate what they can do in a day or a week, but they underestimate what they can do in a quarter or a year. And it's important that we know about rhythms so that we can be able to live how God has called us to live. Um, So here's my main point. In order to do this, we need to make the rhythms of our life, not the results, the reward. Because it's the rhythms of our lives that determine real results. So often in times we say, I want to lose seven pounds, but you know, at the end of the month, maybe I want to lose seven pounds in a month. At the end of the month, I get on the scale and either I lost it or I didn't. But there's some things that I can do leading up to that point that I can make the bet, hey, if I watch what I eat and I eat only this amount of calories and I work out three times a week, then I'm going to bet that if I do those rhythms... That is going to lead to me losing seven pounds. And so we need to focus not on the results, but on the rhythms that produce the results. And so this series, we are going to be focusing on some rhythms by watching how Jesus lived and seeing what did he do that's going to lead us into the point that we are going to see the results because of the rhythms in our lives. So the first rhythm I want to do in the remaining few minutes that we have left is I want to talk about vision. See, Jesus, before this passage, he said that he spends time with his father and that he knows everything because of the time that he spent with his father. Jesus constantly spent time in prayer, praying to God for vision in his life that he, so he could recenter and refocus his life on who he was and what he was for. That's what Jesus did. And often in our times, we need The first rhythm, the core rhythm, is that we need to pray to God for vision in our life. And that's why we're having the week of prayer for the first five days of of 2019, so that we can come and pray to God for vision in our lives. This is a sacred time. This is a time when we're more open to the move of God in our lives because we want to set up a year better. We also have the 20-minute mornings. Every morning, the first thing that that happens is I, I hit the knees in prayer, And then I focus on journaling. And so we have the 20-minute mornings, which was in your program, that you can journal. And so we want to make it easy for you to be able to connect with God 
envision for your life. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Without a vision, you're like a ship without a rudder, just going wherever the tides of life are taking you. Without a vision, it's like you're shooting an arrow, trying to hit, hit a target that's in the forest somewhere that you can't see. We've got to have vision in our life. And the word for vision in that passage means revelation. That vision starts with God, God birthing a vision in you. God created you. God formed you. And he formed you with a vision. He had a purpose in mind for you when he created you. But also God has a way that he wants you to live that vision in each and every situation. And so God uh, getting that vision is a conversation with God. And it's a conversation you need to continually have to be able to see, okay, God, what do you want me to do in this area of my life? What do you want me to do now? And as you begin to walk with God and praying to God for vision, God will make that vision clear and clear and clearer in your life. So you've got to pray to God for a vision. If you lack vision, it means two things. There's two costly things if you lack vision. One, without a vision, we are more likely to make mistakes or change plans that will cost us time and money. In construction, if, if you've ever been in construction, you know that if there's somebody who wants to go and build a house, the, the builder needs to know exactly what type of house the person wants. Maybe they want to have a house to invite people over, so they've got to have a bigger living room. Maybe they want to spend more time alone, so they've got to have a den where they can go and be by themselves. But if things, decisions are made after the building starts, then things will cost a lot more and it will take a lot more time. Some of us are living our lives like that. We're living our lives so that we're, we're just kind of living impulsively without any kind of vision. And then we end up at a point that we don't really like or that we want to change plans. And so we have to go back to school and it's going to cost a lot more money and a lot more time out of our lives that we could have saved if we had had a vision. The other thing, thing that costs us without a vision is that if you don't have a vision, you're enabling other people to speak that vision into your life. And you might not like where that, that's going to lead you. Without a vision, we enable others or life situations or past habits to be the directing force in our life. And we might not like where that leads. But to have a vision is to have power. Because now you have a context for all of the tasks and demands that are thrown your way. You have to say, hey, is this in line with my vision? You have a priority. Without a, without a vision, you can't set a priority in your life. You'll have tasks, but you don't know which is most important. And with a vision, you can make decisions. You can say, is this getting me closer to my vision or is this pushing me away from my vision? We've got to have a vision for our lives. And so how do we create a vision for ourselves? Well, there's a couple ways that you can do this. One, we're, we have a shape class here, and we'll have that probably in February or March, that you can take that shape class, and that's um, an acronym for spiritual gifts, your heart or your passions, A is your abilities or natural abilities, P is your personality, and E is your experiences or your story. And so that is your, your shape, how God shaped you for service. Another way is kind of a morbid way, but you can write your epitaph. You can write, hey, well, I'm going to begin with the end in mind. If I was imagine myself looking down at my funeral, what would I want people to say about, my, about, about me, about how I lived? Do I want them to say, hey, he worked a lot, 
hey, she really organized the house. She really, really got angry or he got, got angry a lot. He, he was impatient. Or do I want them to say, hey, he really loved God. She really loved others. He really uh, lived for the purposes of God in his life. That's my timer. <laughs> um, so I'm over time. But, um, but the way, the step that I want to take for you guys is to go to our website, explorecrc.com, and, and click on Grow. And on that, you'll find two resources that I've set, set up there for you. First is a gifts test. And if you finish that gifts test, it takes like 15 minutes. It's super short. It'll go straight to my inbox, and I can work with you on your gifts. The other thing that's on there is something for you to write a personal mission statement or a family mission statement if you want to do it as a family. And again, I can work with you on that. I will make time to work with you, to sit down with you, to say, okay, here's your mission statement or here's your gifts. What does that mean for what God has called you to do this year? You can come to the week of prayer and we can pray with each other. I'm going to commit to fasting for the next 21 days so that we can, as a church, can be able to call what God has called for us to do. I am for you in this. I am with you in this. Please take advantage of this. Don't go into a new year with old habits and old mindsets. Step into a new year with what God wants to do in your life. Because I believe if we wake up with a vision every day, we are going to live with passion in our life. We're going to have a reason for the rhythms in our life. If we wake up with a vision each day, our relationships will be renewed. If we wake up with a vision each day, we'll be visionaries for our kids to say, here's what God has called you. God is leading me. God can lead you too. We've got to have a vision in our lives. We've got to be able to do that. So please, please, please take the next step and follow up. Go to our website and click on Grow. 